You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. We're getting ready to hear scripture. Don Wood is going to read to us the beginning of a very long story of an engagement, a conversation between Jesus and a woman at a well in Samaria. This woman comes to the well and engages in a conversation that actually is initiated by Jesus. And throughout this story reveals and is revealed to her many truths that will bless us today. I'm going to invite you if you have the opportunity to have the scriptures in front of you, pull it up on your smartphone or grab a Bible and open up to chapter 4 and be ready to follow along, not only in what Don reads to us here in the next few minutes, but also beyond the, uh, in deeper into the story as I'm going to help guide us in a few minutes. May God bless us as we hear this story and as it becomes our story of hope and truth. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized. Jesus left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Don, for sharing that word from the gospel. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, I ask you to bless this message. I ask you to take the efforts that are put into it, not only mine in writing it, but all of us who take this moment out of today to hear it, that we would be put in a place of humility, that we would step our own agenda out of the way and receive what you want to give. So I use the words of my mouth and the thoughts and actions of all of our lives collectively to let this gospel become real today. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. 
who would have believed two to three months ago that this would become a precious, sought-after, keeping the shelves in the store empty commodity. It's toilet paper. I guess we're discovering that we begin to value the things that we can't have. So bizarre. I know there's this economic concept of supply and demand. I encountered it again this past week when I did pull up to the gas station and was disappointed to discover that gas was all the way up to $1.49, $1.49. Since we've been driving less, there's plenty of gas. Even such that we've changed our expectations around as we think about the price. If you can have a lot of it, it doesn't mean as much to you. It doesn't cost you as much. What about this? What about this simple glass of water? For us who live in the state of Michigan, this great fresh lake state. We are blessed with water. We count on water. We yearn to be back in and on the water. We drink it freely. But what if this were water in the middle of the desert? Its value would be so much higher. The things we have a lot of, we take for granted. But when we can't find it anymore, it becomes all that more precious. Jesus comes to the well. It says he's tired, which is interesting because it's the only time in the gospel Jesus is referred to as being tired. He comes to sit down by the well. His disciples, he sends off. My guess is so he can get some rest, but I also think he's setting the stage for what's going to happen next. He needed to be alone so that he could be alone with her. Now, he knew where he was sitting. It was the well of Jacob the place where for the first time Abraham's family ever owned, owned a part of the holy land that had been promised to them. The place where Jacob fell in love with his beloved Rachel in this well celebrates that long history. It is a part of his heritage. It is sacred space, even though it's in a foreign territory in Samaria. So he's not sitting down just by a place we can get water. He's sitting by a reminder of the long-standing heritage he had and that they had, the Samaritans. This was before this history. goes long before they started being divided between each other. She came to the well. She came to get water. She came to get what she needed. And we have so many assumptions around what that was. Perhaps you've heard story after story of this woman and an understanding of who she was. Truth is, we really don't know. You maybe have heard preachers, and I confess I have been one of them, who in the past has talked about this woman as being someone who is a person who's made some poor decisions in their life. We get that a conclusion because later in the story, Jesus says you've been married five times and the person you're with now is not your husband. Well, the fact is that doesn't necessarily tell us what our assumptions have been, that they're true. 
What if she'd been widowed five times? And the truth is, in that day, it's possible. And what if she had been divorced five times? Because in that day, all the powers in the hands of the men, maybe she had just been handed over to men without integrity and she'd been dismissed when they were done with her. We don't know her story, but we've been very comfortable about making it up for her. And we've dismissed her as someone who is suspect. We've even said, well, she came to the well in the middle of the day because she was so living in shame. She couldn't bear to be with other people. Well, maybe it's possible she came in the middle of the day because she was so borne down with grief, she couldn't take one more person asking, how you doing? Or maybe she was coming in the middle of the day because she was tired of listening to all the gossip, small town gossip, and it frustrated her. We really don't know a lot about her. But we've been willing to fill in the story, complete it. Jesus didn't do any of that. Jesus initiated a relationship with her by asking a question, could I have a drink of water? The truth is, it seems pretty clear Jesus was not focused on a drink of water. He was focused on her. He wanted to build a relationship with her. And he didn't care that she was a Samaritan woman. He didn't care what other people thought about him. Uh, later on in John 8, he gets slurred by somebody who calls him, you must be a Samaritan and filled with the devil. He didn't care. Because he saw beyond those divisions. He didn't want to be caught up in all the ways in which we belittle each other. He didn't care that she was a woman and he as a Jewish man shouldn't speak to her because he didn't see her as someone lesser. And he didn't come to her as somebody who was greater. He just met her at a well and asked for water. He wanted to build a relationship that they could start in a place of respect. And in this conversation, this is one of the powerful stories that come from it, the message that we come, come from this story to us. Jesus may have been tired over the way in which people talk about each other separate from each other, find ridiculous reasons to detest each other. This woman who came, came with strength. She shows herself to be a woman who unafraid to address a man who was a Jew. She was unafraid to speak up. She's demonstrating great understanding of cultural diversity, of theological differences, of gender inequity. She gets all of it. I didn't use those terms back then, but she clearly understands it the way she talks. She understands why there's this division between where the Jews worship in Jerusalem and why the Samaritans would want to worship in Mount Gizmar, Gizim, I'm sorry, because it's close to the well of Jacob, it's close to that sacred part of their history. They both just honored different parts of the same sacred history. She understood all that. And she stood up for what they believed, but she had a questioning mind and heart. She wanted to know about the kinds of things that Jesus said when he says to her, but I can give you living water. She says, how can you do that? You didn't even bring anything, bring water up from the, from the well. And Jesus said, if you only knew who was with you, you would not ask me how. This woman is drawn into a relationship to begin to understand who this guy is. And then the relationship and conversation gets to the real matter of truthfulness, truth-telling. Jesus says, I, I know your truth. 
and while we don't understand full background, Jesus did. And in talking to this woman, she has her story revealed, her truth revealed. And the more shocking thing about that is, with her truth laid out there in front of her and Jesus, with nothing edited, she's accepted, she's loved. Jesus isn't put off by her history, whatever it might have been, by whatever it was that she was yearning for. He simply was there to offer to her a new way of receiving what everybody wants, which is to have the things we yearn for met, to have ourselves filled up with the things that really matter that give us life. He was there to give that to her. And whatever had brought her to the well, what mattered to him was the fact that she had come to the well. And there he could engage with her. He could begin to have a conversation with her. And he could reveal to her not only the truth about her and know that it was okay, but the truth about him, that he was, in fact, God. He says, I am he. He goes back long into the history to remember when God said by the burning bush to Moses, tell them I am. Jesus goes back to when they had a shared history and reveals that he is that God. And that God has come to her and received her without any reservation, blowing away every assumption and offers to her new life. That truth telling, the willingness to be just at the core of who we are and to get to discover that and know that we can be loved in the midst of that is a powerful reality. I don't know how many of you write journals or keep diaries. Uh, I think they're wonderful. People tell me that they're very meaningful in their life, and, and I support that. I really do. I just have never been able to do it, partially because I'm too ADD. I can't keep a diary for more than two or three days. The truth is, I also would be afraid if someone found my diary or journals. I don't want everybody knowing everything about what it is to say who really Rick Dake is. I sometimes don't want to know it for myself. I'd be scared about my truth being fully revealed. Well, that's sort of what happens here between this woman and Jesus. Her truth is fully revealed, but instead of being scared or destroyed by it, she's given new life. How many times have we in the Christian community built up assumptions, thought about things, dismissed people, and kept them at our length when we've never even had a conversation about them. How many of us prize ourselves on being able to size someone up before we talk to them? How is that a value? Christ seems to be saying, I don't want you to be able to size people up. I want you to begin to have relationship with each other, talk with each other, get to know each other's truth. Don't be afraid of it. Because it's there that you be discovered that God's love is so powerful and accepts you even when the truth isn't all great, or the truth is too painful that normally others can't carry it. Christ can and does and will. In this conversation, this woman has her whole life changed. Maybe she's forgiven for sin's past, although isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't hear anytime say, I forgive you. Go and sin no more, though he does that in other parts of the gospel. He's not seeing sin as an issue here. He's seeing the issue here is this woman has been looking for too long for the things that just keep you alive but don't let you live. And he wants to give to her life-giving water, and so he does. 
changes her. So now she goes back into the village to begin to be the first evangelist of the gospel, to be the first one to go tell others about Jesus and bring the entire village out that they might come to know who he is and they too would claim him. And they did. What a powerful transformation in a person's life in just that quick. And much is made about her being an evangelist and the fact that you and I should be able to be called to come so close to Jesus and in that truth get to know him so well that we too turn around and offer that gift to others. That's what we're called to do. But here's the thing. I discovered in this reading and studying of this chapter in the weeks leading up to today a new thing for me. Now, truth is, maybe I've seen it before. I've just forgotten that I saw it before. I'm at that age where that happens. And I told the class on Tuesday as I was working with them that I wanted to tell you all something that I discovered, if maybe not for the first time, at least for the first time again. When she's by the well and she's had this revelation that Jesus is in fact the God who's receiving her and loving her and giving her a new hope, new identity, a new faith, here's what happens. Before she runs away, she leaves her water jar there by the well. She leaves her jar by the well. Verse 28, then the woman left the water jar and went back to the city. Are you, she came with this water jar so she could draw water and she leaves because she doesn't need it anymore. The things she'd been yearning for, to the thoughts she needed that day, got replaced by the things she needed more than she ever knew she needed. The idea of leaving behind the places that we've gone in the past for sustenance so we can hold on to the thing Jesus really wants to give us is a powerful image and invitation for us. What do you need to leave behind? What feelings, emotions, behavior do you need to just lay down and leave at the well? What is it that you no longer need to carry around with you and you'd love to no longer have to carry it? Is it sin? Is it grief? Is it fear? Whatever it is. The idea of coming into a presence of a Jesus Christ who loves you enough to let you lay it down and walk away from it into a new life, that's, that's the gift today. It's the invitation you get to have, and all you need to do is ask Jesus, who are you? And he's going to say, I am who I am. I'm the living God, and knowing your full truth, I love you, and I accept you, and I let you live a new life, and then go do it. And then go do it. Powerful, powerful witness. What would you like to lay down so that you can pick up the life Jesus wants to give you? Today is Mother's Day. And Mother's Day is always one of those holidays filled with a lot of emotion. Some of you, like me, your mom is no longer here on this earth. My mom passed away, as you know, a few years ago. So now I think about my mom in days past. I spent some time looking at pictures of my mom this last week, just remembering. And I'm reminded of the fact that for most of my life with my mom, I never really knew her. I was living with her and knowing her through my assumptions. I placed upon her what I thought a mom ought to be, which meant when she fulfilled them, I thought she was a great mom. And when she didn't fulfill what I wanted her to do, I felt like she wasn't what I needed. And I spent a lot of my life 
thinking of her and knowing her through my assumptions instead of knowing her for who she was. And then later in her life, far too late in her life, I began to get to know her as who she was. I began to know her story. I began to know about her truth. I began to know where she'd been wounded. I began to know where she found her joy. And I began to have a new relationship with her. I wonder if on this Mother's Day, whether your mom is no longer living in this world or whether uh, she lives far away and you can't see her, maybe she's in a facility and you have to say hi to her through a window, or maybe she's right next door and the very lifeblood that lets you survive right now. Whatever your relationship is with her, maybe it's time for you to have a relationship with her where you can lay your assumptions down. We can have honest conversation with her, celebrate her, get to know her again in a new way. Begin to discover a richness that perhaps you never had before. The reality is, as we spend time now together with our moms in memory or in practice, the calls we'll make today, the waves we'll give from a distance, it's an opportunity like this Samaritan woman, to enter into a new phase of the relationship. But for us in all of our relationships, maybe it's a chance for us also to, like this Samaritan woman, hear Jesus say, if you only knew, if you only knew who is with you, that it is indeed God, that Jesus Christ is real and with you. And if you only knew if you were willing to lay down what you've been clinging to so hard and hold on to the thing that I want to give you, if you'd only trust in faith, how might your tomorrow be different? Jesus changes the life of this woman and in so doing changes the life of a village. In the name of Jesus Christ, I invite you to come to the well, to the place where you might discover for the first time or for a new way who Jesus is and receive the gift that he gives. Be blessed. And may we run forward into tomorrow with a passion to make sure that other people might know what we know if they only knew who Christ is. Let that be the world we work with God to create. To the glory of God and for all of God's people. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.